0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Rosh Hashanah sermon by Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Shana Tova, everyone. (laughs) There is also something uh, a little bit sad and also kind of funny about encouraging kids to flee the service when the Director of Youth Learning and Engagement is about to start. (laughs) But we do our best. Behold the God of my deliverance. I will trust and I will not fear. God is my strength and my might and will be my deliverance. Cause the descendant of your servant to flourish and increase his power by your salvation. For we hope for your salvation all day. Praise there you Lord who causes the power of salvation to flourish. May the Merciful One make us worthy of the days of the Messiah and life of the world to come. He who gives great deliverance to his King and shows kindness to his Anointed One and his descendants forever. These lines might sound unfamiliar. They might even make you uncomfortable. And yet, believe it or not, you say them all the time. We all do. When we conclude Shabbat each week at Havdalah, in the weekday Amidah that we recite three times a day, and during the Hamazon, after each and every time we eat a meal. It's clear that our hope for deliverance, redemption, Messiah, is woven consistently through nearly all elements of our tradition, but what comes to mind for you when you hear the word Messiah, or Mashiach? We often shy away from this idea, I know I have. Whether that's due to the impact of Christianity, an aversion to the way Mashiach is embraced in some Orthodox Jewish groups, or a general desire for a more rational rather than supernatural understanding of the world, it's not something that many of us talk about all that much. But we can. In fact, we should. We need this concept. This idea of a next stage of our world at the core of what we believe and how we act as Jews. So yes, today, I'd like to talk to all of you about the Messiah. Why? Because we need to dream bigger. Messianism, the belief in and desire for a savior who brings about a new stage of history, doesn't come out of a vacuum. It usually blooms most fully in a time of crisis or pain and articulates the dreams of people who hope for something more, something better. The topic originally came to mind as I was reading a book about the systemic nature of poverty in America. There are symptoms that we must address. You don't have to look more than a few feet from the entrance of this building to see some of them. But ultimately, real change only happens by addressing the root causes as well. And in order to make those large-scale changes, we need to look at both what's happening day to day while also mustering up the courage and the vision to move out of our comfort zones and envision a different way of doing things. This isn't just true of public policy or social issues. So many of us have our personal discomforts, our everyday pain, the burdens that we carry. Some of these are existential, like mental illness, addiction, and financial challenges, while some may feel more prosaic, professional struggles, family drama, or even just putting one foot in front of the other. And we need personal meaning, a sense of purpose in our lives. Yes, we have to navigate the everyday aspects of our lives, but we also need to have a vision for what we hope the world can be for us as individuals and collectively. Now, of course, there are a wide variety of understandings of exactly who the Messiah is and may be and what a messianic age can and should look like far, far too extensive to get get into over the course of the sermon, to get us to Kiddush on time. There's volume after volume on the topic from Gershom Sholem's academic classic on the messianic idea in Judaism to the poignantly titled There's No Messiah, and you're it, to, yes, really, 50 Jewish messiahs, which is about as long as the great Jews in sports book that I think Eitan will be getting later today. (laughs) The teachings that I'll be offering over the course of the high holidays will be an opportunity to dive more deeply into exploring this topic. But for now, I'll summarize briefly that normative rabbinic theology has placed the idea of a messiah, an anointed one as a redeemer, as a central concept for centuries. There is also a consistent sense that the Messiah is always not quite yet coming, close enough to aspire to, but still out of reach. And then, when the Messiah finally arrives, there will be a significant shift, not necessarily an apocalyptic one, but a time in which there is generally understood to be some combination of complete peace, Jews living in the land of Israel, the ability of all Jews to immerse themselves in learning Torah, the dissolution of the inclination towards evil, and an awareness of God for all people. Rabbi David Hartman wrote, Messianism is a realistically possible state of affairs, which provides for the unleashing of human spiritual capacities and the bearing of new and undreamed of personal aspirations. So then, what are our spiritual capacities? One understanding was provided by Rabbi Stephen Schwarzschild, who described Judaism as practical messianism. Practical messianism. The ways in which we bring this about comes through the mitzvot, just like Etan was talking about earlier. Our holy way of being in the world. He wrote that halacha is the formalization of the required actions which bridge the gap between is and ought. Halacha bridges the gap between is and ought. There's always a difference between the world as it is and what we hope the world will be. Collectively, we build a bridge between the two through our tradition, our mitzvot, our everyday actions. So through this lens, the way to navigate our shared challenges is by looking into our tradition and trusting the roadmaps it provides for living fuller, more actualized lives, getting us one step closer to the world we dream of. And it's not just theologians. Secular writers know how vital the role of ritual is in creating a better world, too. In their book, The Dawn of Everything... David Graeber and David Wengro, an anthropologist and an archaeologist respectively, explain in great detail that it is through ritual that we can experiment with and even sample what a different world might look like. They bring evidence that a wide variety of concepts, ranging from private property to police functions to elections, originated as ideas within sacred contexts. Through ritual, we bridge for a moment that gap between is and ought, which makes it possible for us to dream bigger. There are so many ways in which our own tradition's key ideas emerge from and are embodied in ritual settings. In fact, it's happening right now, this morning, through the occasion we're celebrating a bar mitzvah, Now, BJ and Elaine, correct me if I'm wrong, but my guess is that Eitan's maturity did not increase exponentially from last night to this morning. (laughs) But that's no knock on Eitan, and really did awesome. One day is only one day, and yet, it can change everything. In this experience, we create a container of meaning through which we mark a transition from one way of being to another bringing any adolescent who moves through this space into a different stage of life. And it doesn't just impact the B'nai Mitzvah. It impacts their family, and in fact, all of us as we witness the power of our tradition. Marking and facilitating transformation helps us to dream bigger. It's also happening right now through our observance of Shabbat. Each week, Shabbat offers up an open door for us to walk through and dream big. We are taught that Shabbat is me'in olam haba, a window into what the world to come may look like, a time in which we pause, we connect, we reflect, we cultivate and celebrate sacred time. We're even taught that the Messiah will come if all of Israel were to keep two Shabbats in a row. A world in which the beauty of Shabbat is consistently collectively marked is definitionally a changed world, moving us from where we are now to where we ought to be. That world can be within reach. As befits the high holiday season, there is also a teaching that if we all were to make full teshuvah, complete repentance in one day, the Messiah would come. This seems to indicate an if-then situation. If we all do this, then we'll get the outcome that we hope for. But it's also possible to understand this teaching a bit differently. If every single one of us were to take seriously the practice of teshuvah, of atoning for our misdeeds, determining the ways in which we need to change, and then actualizing that change in our lives, we would be living in a different world. One in which we have each taken responsibility and then helped to change, helped to create. By seeing that we can change, we make it possible to dream bigger. So it then makes a lot of sense that there are countless references to the Messiah in our liturgy and in our rituals, in addition to Havdalah and the Amidah and Birkat Hamazon. There's Elijah's cup at the Seder, Elijah's chair at a bris or simchat bat, the aleinu at the end of each prayer service, and on and on. This transformative idea, our greatest dream as a people, infuses our rituals with hope, and we then metabolize that hope into our actions. Yes, Messianism has its hazards. There have been false messiahs, who have caused disappointment, even destruction in our history. But as in all things, we don't have to think in binaries. Our deep need for hope and meaning can be tempered by realism without losing its power. It's true, our tradition includes voices that caution us about hastening the Messiah, but that's not at odds with dreaming of a better world and working towards it. Not only do I think it's possible that we can do so without becoming fanatical, I would argue that it's essential to push ourselves forward. Guys, please. So what holds us back? Why haven't we yet taken up this challenge with more energy, even with excitement? Well, change is tough. Change can be scary. However difficult or dysfunctional, our world right now is what we know, and there's a comfort in that. But that's the gift of Tishrei and the demand of the high holiday season. We celebrate a new year, and if and when we take up the challenge of a new beginning, through our reflection and our tshuva and the ways we join together as a holy community, we get a fresh start. This then brings us to considering, as Rabbi Hartman wrote, our undreamed-of personal aspirations which comes down to a simple question. Do you believe that you can change? Do you believe that we can change? I do. I hope you do. Our dreams for a better world have sustained us for centuries, and we need them right now as well. Rabbi Jonathan Sacks said that we are characters in the world's oldest continuous story, charged with writing its next chapter. So then we have a role in determining the book in which we'll write our names this coming year. We each have to take this on. So I urge you to reflect what's something you can do starting today that will bring you one step closer to the world that you dream of. I'll start. This coming year in 5784... I'm committing to spending more time learning lishma for its own sake, and I'm committing to greater diligence in saying brachot, blessings over food, before and after I eat. Why? Because I believe in the power of learning, and because I know how essential gratitude is. These actions will make those values more present in my life. Will this single-handedly bring about world-shaking transformation? Probably not. But it will change me. And it maybe will then make a difference to one or two others along the way, which might then reverberate further still. Since I dream of a world with more gratitude and a richer connection to wisdom, by fulfilling those meets vote, I'll take a step in bridging gaps I've identified in my own experience of is and ought. But that's specific to me. The blessing is that it's a little bit different for all of us. The tikkun, the fixing that we each can produce, is unique for every person. So what does dreaming bigger mean to you? How are you going to make that happen in your life, not sitting around and waiting for that world to arrive, but creating it, starting right now? Locate someone nearby, note who they are, and commit to finding them at Kiddush and sharing that action with them. Don't don't know it's coming. Don't they'll, they'll expect it. you. can Come up to them, share it with them. Because there are actions that each one of us individually can do, and we change more when we hold each other accountable for those actions. We can help each other get from where we are now to where we ought to be, where we hope to be. Our dreams themselves hold transformative power and we bring about transformation by being in relationship with each other. The world is the way it is now only because we collectively agree it should be this way and then act accordingly. But it doesn't have to be. It's not preordained. We can dream. We can dream bigger. And our tradition gives us the conceptual framework and the spiritual technology to do so. So let's see what's possible. Let's not keep making the same mistakes over and over again, staying blinkered in our lives by where we've been and what we believe has to be, and instead open our eyes to new possibilities for ourselves and for the world. If we aren't pushing ourselves to make our greatest dreams a reality, what else is there? We need to have hope. We need to have faith. We need to dream bigger. And if we do, when we do, will really mean the words that we recite each day. May the merciful one make us worthy of the days of the Messiah. Shabbat shalom and an early Shana tovah.